All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. If you gamble, use your game sense. Stay within your limit. Go to gamesense.ab.ca and learn more. This is Hitch. Welcome back to the show, man. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, it's uh, it's good to talk to you. I haven't uh, haven't talked to you since you uh, you had the uh, the Hall of Fame induction. Uh, g- give me a little recap of just uh, you know from getting the call to to then having that uh, you know the actual ceremony. How was it? Well, the call when you when when you know it's Lanny's voice is so distinctive, Greg. That you know when he's calling. I knew when his voice was there. I knew what it was about, but I hadn't hadn't even thought about it. To be honest, I didn't even know what the dates were. But when you go to that ceremony, like talk about a classy operation and how to do things right, like that that Hall of Fame ceremony and all the all the guys that were there and all the former players and hall of fame uh, coaches and managers were there. Like it's, it's so impressive. And it's, like I said, they, they do it with such dignity that uh, it's almost at times overwhelming. I know it was for my family uh, just, you know, that experience to, to be that connected to the game. They were so impressed by some of the people in the game that were there. Well, that's awesome. Um, so, Hitch, I got a lot to, to discuss here, and I know you, you, you know, you watch the game very closely. You've watched it for for a long time. Would would work for different teams, and um, as it, when when we see the you know the increased offense lately, I, I watch, and there's just there's way more of a focus on defenders to make plays. Right, moving the puck out of them, you know, whether it's transporting, but a lot of times just making passes. Like you look back to when you coach, like a lot of D men, 
yeah, you know, you want to make plays, but you are fine with guys who just get the puck off the glass and out. Has that been the biggest change? Are you seeing something else is why we're seeing such an increase in offense? Yeah, I, I think, to be honest with you, the increase in offense comes from odd man rushes. And it comes from odd man rushes because every team now activates their defensemen defensively and offensively. Okay. There's more pinching that goes on in the game now than ever. Um, there's more activation by the defensemen on rush opportunities. And you're seeing more three-on-twos, more four-on-threes with defensemen up in the attack. There are teams um, in the league that play right now where the defense has a total green light. They can take it right to the net. They can stay in the offensive zone. Um, and I, and I, I think when you look at a game, um, it's not uncommon for at the end of the game to look and say, in between the two teams, there was 20-odd men rushing. And it, I think that's what's really changed the game. And players can really make plays now off the rush. But, but, but by being able to stretch out the zone, like teams uh, – Having forwards leave early and creating space underneath, it's created all these rush attack opportunities, and, and that's what's really changed for me. Do you enjoy it more? Yes. Yeah, I, it's... Um, um, we'll see if this carries over during the playoffs. You see some teams tightening down now, but um, it, it, it really makes for exciting hockey because, you know, you're... First of all, if you're a defenseman, no, no matter what your height or weight is, you got to be able to skate now. And and the and the activation and the green light and the amount of pinching to get the puck back that defensemen do, I think it adds to makes the game a lot more chaotic and a lot more exciting. And I think that's what we're witnessing right now. Ken Hitchcock uh, joins us, and you know, Ken, did you you coach with a lot of different guys? Paul Coffey came into Edmonton, and he really had no coaching experience. He'd coached one year at uh, at Junior A, right? Um, he he came in, and the players raved about it. You know, his whole focus was I'm going to build their confidence back up. I just said, okay, you guys are going to make plays. And in the video room, he showed Darnell Nurse making play or Evan Bouchard making offensive plays, but then he would show Vincent DeHarnay doing the same thing and saying, Vinny, you're capable of doing it. Now do it. Um, you know, Mark Stewart obviously changed the penalty kill and it's worked very well, right? And Paul Coffey even admitted it's not like he's like a staunch video guy. Where, where do you come out on, you know, like the communication factor of coaching now? And, you know, with the, the, the players are so skilled and there's not that many different systems. So is communication even more vital now, do you think? Or is, is Paul Coffey maybe just simplified it and that's what's worked for him so far? No, I don't think Coff has simplified it. I think he's common sense that I think he's raised the level of expectation by telling the players what he thinks they're capable of. He's not restricting any of them. He's not putting, he's not putting red lights on any of the players. He's, he's forcing players to really extend themselves on the ice and they're gaining confidence because of it, because of that. And, you know, his whole career, Koff was a field player and, and I, the way he's doing things, uh, uh, the way he's doing, um, well, the way he's coaching the game is from a feel standpoint and then an expectation standpoint. And he's raised the level and he's raised the bar in both areas. And I think that's what, that's what his greatest quality is. He's got a tremendous feel for the game and he's passing that on to the players. 
The Claire Drake coaching tree is uh, is rather large. And when I watch Chris Knobloch, he he really he looks to me like, you know, Billy Moores, who was, of course, in that tree, you know, just like you can. Uh, I watch Chris Knobloch, and he's really put an emphasis on empowering his entire roster. Right? Like, you know, he, he has the same six forwards for the most part in the penalty kill. And it doesn't include Connor McDavid. Right? Like, even when there's a double minor, he kind of sticks with those same six guys unless one of them's in the penalty box or he needs a face-off for Dreisaitl. Uh, you know, just what if, like, the importance of that from a coach, and he's a rookie head coach, right? And he's got two of the biggest names in the game. It, it, I don't think it's always as easy as, oh, it's so easy to coach superstars. You coach a lot of superstars in your career, Ken. And it's, I, I remember you always telling me, you always got to get your best players on the same page as you, right? And then hopefully, you know, they tell the other guys what to do. But what has it impressed you from you've seen from a, maybe a tactician point of view from Knobloch and how he runs his bench? Well, Chris is a rookie NHL head coach, but he's not a rookie coach. He's a very experienced coach, and he's been at all these levels. So he's 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 growing with the game, um, and spending the amount of time that Chris, Chris did in the American Hockey League has done nothing but enhance his career, in my opinion. And what it's done is it's given him a a teaching base, and it's also given him a chance to define everybody's role on hockey clubs. And because you, you can do that without feeling the pressure of winning all the time. And he's, he's learned to do that. And so every player, if you watch Edmonton play, every player has a role, a purpose, and a design on the way they're, what, what, what they're expected. And, and Chris has done that. The other thing he's done, and this is the hard part about coaching, is getting your team to buy into checking. That's an easy thing to talk about, but a really hard thing to do because there's a lot of sacrifice that goes in with that and a lot of patience. And he's got the team to buy into that. And that's why, you know, when I was going to come on to the call today, Greg, uh, Greg, I was thinking to myself, why, have, why is Edmonton so strong? And they've all bought into checking. And they play long minutes where the game's tied and then they break it, they, they break you down. And I'm thinking to myself, and I'm watching this team play, if they continue with this current attitude, who's going to knock them out in a seven-game series? There would be a really hard out because they bought into this aspect that we're willing to play in tight games, we're not going to be the first team to crack, and we're going to stay patient with what we believe in, and at the end of the day, we're going to make you crack. And that's their attitude right now. You've talked a lot, Ken, uh, Ken Hitchcock joins us, Hall of Fame coach, that you know about learning to check and 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 learning to check isn't because the orders it's not impacting their offense at all and and when they're 24 and 3 here in their last 27 games they're the number one team offensively in the league they got the second best power play they've got the best goal four goals against ratio five on five you know their second lowest goals against their penalty kills number one so they've been good in every area but you know when you when you got players to kind of figure out the importance of checking because Every coach can talk about it, Ken, but, and, and I'm sure you've seen players where, you know, they didn't buy in and then, you know, by then it was too late. What does it take? Like, what do you see finally? Is it just the loss in the playoffs the last few years that, that finally gets it? Is it, did you learn as a coach that you can, there's a different way to send the message to get them to buy in? Because everybody wants to check better, but we see it every year. It doesn't work. So what's the key to finally getting guys to check consistently? Your best players have to be the first to buy in, and that's what's happened in Edmonton. 
whether it's Connor, Leon, Darnell, Nuge, their Oilers' best players have bought into this design play. And when your best players buy in, everybody else has no choice but to follow. And that's what's happened to Edmonton. Scoring stats, uh, trophies for individual stats don't matter to those players anymore. Those leaders, all that matters is winning a championship. In my opinion, that's the way they look and that's the way it feels. And they've, their top players have all bought into this. And when you've got that going, everybody has to follow suit. And that's what you, Edmonton's got going. So if you, if you watch them play, if you turn down the volume, when the other team has the puck, every player on the ice for the Oilers looks the same. And that's the buy-in. And, and they're, they've created that buy-in, whether it's numbers over the puck, whether it's physicality in the right areas, whether it's winning what we call second man quick, um, uh, all those things that matter, they, they're all dialed in on it, and they're dialed in it on a nightly basis. So, um, you know, sooner or later they're going to lose a hockey game. But what they've done is they've, they've bought into the, this, this design plan of play, and they're, they're proud of it, and I don't see a change in, to be honest with you. Ken, I want to get your thoughts as a coach on continuity. And, you know, there's lots of talk, hey, the orders, are they going to make a move here, there at the deadline? We, we've seen lots of teams, you know, you, you make a move and some some work. And if your goal is to win the Stanley Cup, let's be honest, very few work because only one team wins. Um, you know, the continuity of understanding the system and, and getting and playing it and ensuring that everybody's happy in your role. So if you're the head coach of a team that's rolling as well as the orders are, you know, are you leery? To, to make a move, or does it have to be, like, obvious improvement? Like, clear as day, this is an obvious improvement for our team. That's why we do it. Where would you come out on that, and how did you work? Like, you know, you go back to the years in Dallas and other teams, you know, approach the deadline from a coaching perspective. Uh, Jason, to, for me, to win in the National Hockey League, win it all, you need five lines and eight defensemen. So... Whoever you're adding has to fit into that group of five lines. So right now, um, you're going to need all five lines and you're going to need eight defensemen because there's going to be injuries. There's, there's going to be things that happen. And you need to have that type of numbers in order to win. So to me, whoever you bring in, you know that it has to be a player that's willing to share his spot on the ice. In other words, it's not a player that's going to come in and, and play 20-something minutes of ice. You've already got those players. It's somebody that you know can fit in and, 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 and be a guy that can be counted on, whether he's playing 8 minutes, 10 minutes, or 15 minutes, or whether he's number 13, 14, 15 on the forward group, or 7 and 8 on the D group. It's somebody that you know isn't going to squawk when they don't get on the ice or they don't play in every game. So how do you know that though, Ken? Like when you, cause I'm, I'm looking when you guys won the cup, you brought in Benoit Hogue and you brought in Derek Plant. Now Derek Plant kind of got banged up and then didn't play a lot in the, in the, in the, uh, in the playoffs. Benoit Hogue played 14 games, didn't have a point. That doesn't mean he didn't contribute, but he didn't contribute a ton offensively. Um, you had a very veteran group. So I think it's probably easier when, when your leaders are there, but what's the conversation after the deadline when you bring in guys like that, especially when it's a good team and the odds of, of them playing a significant role are, are fair low well in our in our two cup runs there and the two guys that we brought in that really helped us were tony herkus and blake sloan you know role players 
Heck, Sloaner was a defenseman in the American League and played as a right winger at, at the NHL level. But these guys were great role players. And so we, we wanted to know, and we did a lot of background on how that person fit in in their own group. And you look at the NHL right now, they, there, there's, there's the analytics coverage that goes on, and that's studied quite closely. But there's also the fit. Like, everybody's got contacts on the other team. And, and when you're making a trade to a team that is, is making a go for it, you want to know that that guy's going to fit in seamlessly. So for me, uh, teams really do their background on where that guy fits in in the locker room and what type of person he is on the team and everything. That's more the value than even analytics is, to be honest with you. And like when the Oilers signed Zach Hyman, they did an unbelievable background check on how he fit in. And he's fit in seamlessly. And the same thing uh, – the same thing with some of the other trades, even their, even their minor trades that they've made. These have been like, like Janmark and Matias is a great fit with the orders because he fits inside the locker room. He's a, he's a tremendous person. He's a great player, but he fits in there and he doesn't, he doesn't squawk. He just, he comes and plays and he, and whatever he gets, he gets, but he's happy to be part of the team. And you need more players like that at the end of the day, if you're going to win. Yeah. hundred, hundred percent. Ken Hitchcock, Joins us, um, so Ken. How would you approach it when you when you look around the league right now, and you know goaltending? It, it's very unpredictable. Uh, it's funny, like it, you know, in the in the nineties and early two thousand, there seemed to be like a core guys. You had Waugh, and you had Belfour, and you had Brodeur, and you had Hasek, and you know, like if you had one of those guys, you had a really good chance. Nowadays, there's a few guys. But outside of Vasilevsky, none of the top guys have won. And, uh, you know, I'll go, I guess Braden Holby was pretty good. But Binnington came out of nowhere. Aiden Hill came out of nowhere after an injury, uh, no less. And Colorado won with probably, you know, the worst goalie combination when you look at save percentage in, in, of any Stanley Cup team in decades. How would you approach it, like, as goaltending? You, you said five lines and eight defense. Do you need three goalies now? Is that a must in, in your organization, you think, to win? 
I don't know that it's a must to have three, but I know one thing. If you're only going to carry two, you better make sure that two can play. Like, like you, you look at teams like even the Blues now, um, they've got they've got Bennington and they've got Hofer, who's Hofer's a great backup. And so you need to know that you're confident that two can play if you've only got two, because you're you're going to need great goaltending. You don't need it forever, but at the right time you're going to need it. And you look at what happened in in Vegas when it, when they really needed Hill, he was unbelievable and he played great for them. And that that's what you're going to need. You're not going to need it for 40 games or 30 games, but for two months, you're going to need your goalie to be really good if you expect to win a cup. Oh God, yeah, and it, and the crazy part about it is, Ken, like as we've seen in, in a few teams here, it can come when you don't even expect it. Like Aiden Hill had been a decent goalie, but no one thought he was a suddenly a 9:30. Right, Bennington was fifth in the organization at Christmas time. Like it's it's a crazy position, and I like. You were lucky you had a lot of good goalies in the time, but I think the game has changed that way. Like, it seems like it's more unpredictable now uh, as agreement, and it's more so if if you can get good team defense, you can kind of insulate your goalie a little bit easier, so then you don't need him to be Belfour or Hassock. You just need him to be solid. Yeah, and you're seeing a lot more younger goaltenders play in the league now than ever before. So you, with young goalies, you get unpredictability. And, and you know, so if you've got a veteran or a couple of veteran goalies that you know you can count on, they're not going to stumble when the game's on the line. And they're going to give you a consistent game pretty much every night. And that's what, that's what you need. You, you, you've got to have a, you've got to have a tandem or you've got to have at least two guys that you trust, that you trust are going to make the right save at the right time. And, and if you expect to win, because I don't think you can win right now with just one guy, because the flurry of activity and the, and the, the level of, uh, of of battle in the front of the nets now and, and with what's going on is so extreme that there's a good chance a guy's going to get hurt yeah, or something's going to happen and you're going to need your second guy for sure. Yeah. Ken, um, when you're, when you're scouting, like, I know you're happy. Golfing obviously is a, is a major passion of yours, but like how many games are you still watching a day? Uh, <laughs> Uh, the one last night, I wish I'd never watched. <laughs> yeah, those were brutal, weren't they? Oh, oh God. Those are like, please turn off the TV. Um, I would say I average three a night. Um, so I, I, I run a file on probably three games a night. Like I, I focus on, and, and I, I don't watch the game to watch the score. I watch the game to watch the trends. And as soon as I've seen the trends that I'm looking for, then I move on to another game. But I would say in total, like I'm lucky because we, I live on Pacific time. So the games start at four o'clock in the afternoon, but I'm, I'm pretty much watching games until 10 o'clock at night. So, and I probably do it seven days a week, to be honest with you. So I'm in a very unique situation. You know, I can do what I want in the morning, whether it's uh, go to the gym or, or go to the golf course or do that type of stuff. And then really at four o'clock, my day starts. It's fun time. I like it. Well, Ken, it's always great to talk to you. We love the insight, and uh, we'll have to talk again soon, my man. And uh, obviously, again, a belated congratulations. Uh, long overdue uh, induction into the uh, into the Hall of Fame. Did you, did you get anything special from uh, out, outside of the honor that night? Did you? What was the best gift or, or email or text you received from someone uh, when you when you got uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame? Uh, 
Well, I, I, I was really blessed to have a lot of those, but I'll tell you the, the most emotional time after you, the ceremony's over, uh, Jason, you, you go downstairs, um, to sign the register yeah. and, and you go down there and there's another 1500 people that are downstairs that weren't even at the ceremony. They're all down there. They've, they've paid for tickets and they're in, they're in this little hall that you're signing the register in. And then you, as you go up to sign the register, you turn behind you and there's all the players that are in the hall of fame that played for you. And that was really emotional for me, you know, to see Joe Newendike, Mike Medano, Peter Forsberg, all those guys, Eddie Belfort, they're all there and they're all standing right behind you. to sign the register. My, my hand was just shaking like crazy. And, you know, I just, I respected those guys and appreciated what they did for my career. And then to have them stand right behind you, shoulder to shoulder, was really emotional for me. That's awesome, Ken. Uh, great stuff, man. It's great to talk to you again. We'll do it again soon. Appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, gang. Take care. That's uh Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.